Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This season, we'll be covering all things wealth, from owning it to maximizing it. For further information, or if you'd like help accelerating your wealth directly, please do contact us. Head over to our website, www.rebeccarobertsonevo.co.uk. And welcome to today's show. I'm going to be speaking to Joanna Hunter, which I'm really looking forward to. Her story is quite incredible. Joanna Hunter is a spiritual life and business coach, a lifelong psychic and medium and the creator of My Million Dollar Experiment, which is the world's largest metaphysical mindset and intuition experiment. She's also the author of best-selling book, Get Selfish, The Way Is Through, and is currently studying a doctorate in metaphysical science. Hmm, I hope I said that right. (laughs) She has built a six and five figure five six figure businesses I'm sorry and currently scaling her business to seven figures and her website is joannahunter.com so let's get chatting to her so here she is Joanna Hunter I've done your beautiful uh, introduction um, and I can't wait to see what's in your financial future and we're going to talk a little bit more about that towards the end but Joanna's got an amazing story and I was when she told me I was completely blown away and I can't wait for her to share some nuggets and some real wealth of information and about her past and what's happened to her and I think we've all got um, things to learn from each other when it comes to our stories and our wealth our wealth journey um, but you're in a really great place now Joanna so and you've but you've been in places where you know it's not been so great for you Absolutely. If I ask the question, what does wealth mean to you? It's not like you've not been there and haven't done it, got the t-shirt, right? You've sort of, you've got dirt down and dirty and you've been in some of the, some of the, you know, some really difficult places. So now you're out the other side of that. I think it's a really good question to ask you, what does wealth mean to you? I think financial wealth to me means freedom and choice more than anything. I think, you know, there's many people that say, you know, money is not that important to me or and things like that. But really, we live in a materialistic world. We live in a world where things cost money and having more money really gives you a wider freedom and a wider choice in your life, in your daily life, like what do you want? And it can make situations that I think every human being has to, you know, go through. Sometimes, you know, we can't always control all the situations that humans go through. But with having financial wealth, you know, it can make it a lot, lot easier to navigate trickier times in your life. Mm, Definitely. So is there another form of wealth to you? Because you said it was financial wealth. So yes, is there another version (laughs) So I believe that anybody's human, any human's wealth is incomplete if it doesn't include spiritual wealth. Right. So, you know, really for a person to be truly wealthy is to be materialistically wealthy and to be spiritually wealthy and feel fulfilled inside themselves and to be like fully fulfilled inside their soul and their being and feel like they're living a life of fulfillment. And that is to be spiritually wealthy and spiritually wealthy is the inner aspect and financial wealth is for me the outer aspect right um and so when you are completely wealthy what I would see is a person who is fulfilled inside 
and also have everything that they need to fulfill themselves in their outer world too and so it is total fulfillment okay so I, I might talk about that in terms of mindset but what you're talking about is maybe more than just your mindset and I might talk about it in like an aligned way like you so you feel aligned with your money that you're not an example a really easy example is um you know you might be very environmental for example but then you drive a diesel car for you know that, that you're not aligned in how you're spending or you really want to get fit but you keep buying takeaways like that's an, that's mm. where there's some misalignment from your mindset and your habits and how it's affecting your mm-hmm. your finances but I think what you're talking about is maybe like another realm or another I'm not sure uh, if the realm yeah, is the right word spiritual it, fulfillment really I mean that's the really it's deep fill you know spiritual fulfillment where you wake up in the morning and you feel um content and you feel like there's purpose for you you feel you know fulfilled in what you're doing like there is a level of satisfaction and contentment in your daily life in what you're doing each and every day and you know and if your soul stirs inside you and says oh I would really love to do this thing that in full wealth you would also have the resources which would be money to be able to do that Um, and so you're moving in a in a very different energy and I think you know what you're talking about alignment is the sort of beginning of fulfillment but it is a much much deeper energy of where you feel a deep satisfaction with life a deep you know you are glad to be alive you feel Mm -hmm. this is an amazing incredible experience that I'm having it deeply fulfills me the things the work that you do deeply fulfills you the interactions and relationships that you have in your life deeply fill you up and fulfill you and the money that you have is like this incredible bonus in your life that allows you more freedom more choice which also Mm. deep it feeds back in and it's just this feeling of deep fulfillment amazing so when did that start happening for you when did you have that epiphany when did you go when did you make that coalition for yourself um I think it's been an evolution and growth over a lifetime I mean um one of the things with me is I've always I was literally born with my spiritual gifts switched on so I always had a real awareness of the spirit world and then as I started in my early 20s, I started sort of cultivating, you know, what other people would call, you know, quote unquote, spiritual gifts. Um, I was then sort of thrust into this world of the, the spiritualist church and things like that. And one of the things that was there was what something that I refer to as spiritual pauper karma, which mm-hmm. was like, look at me, I'm extra pious, I live on thin air, and I am without wealth. And, you know, but these people would also do things in their energy, which was not very becoming, because they were operating from a consciousness of lack. Yeah. Um, and then add into my own personality, I've always loved business like even when as a little girl like my mum always tells that I never played with dolls I would like play with dolls but I would make them like shopping malls and then they'd all <laughs> get jobs inside these shoe boxes and I would like build oh, little stores for them to all work in and run and so I literally I mean I literally the blood of an entrepreneur has run through my veins 
And it lived at odds so much with the spiritual side of me and then this entrepreneur side and the two of them didn't. And then I got involved with things like the spiritualist church. And then you had these people that I was observing that Mm. were, you know, kind of giving the message that it was a good thing to be stony broke because that kind of made you extra spiritual. And I've heard this a lot, though. I've heard that a lot with um, therapists or especially for mediums and that kind of thing. Oh, you shouldn't charge. It's a gift. You shouldn't charge. I mean, it's completely rubbish. It is such BS. Why is my gift, in terms of the knowledge that I have, any different from a medium's gift? If anything, I know I'm I'm not... I'm on that I'm on the fence of woo woo like I'm, I I sort of slip between the two and I did a post about this the other day on my Facebook mm-hmm. profile who's woo woo I've just got my first crystals and uh, they were given to me as a gift and um, but I, I did say in my message that one of the most profound amazing experiences was speaking to a medium who I had such anguish about my grandparents passing because they brought me mm-hmm. up so I'd lost both my parents basically I do bad mm-hmm. my mum and dad are still alive and um, I, I did, and I did an event. It was one of my launch events when I first started my business ten years ago. And I had, I thought, I have a medium. I had a therapist come along, and um, the, it was towards the end, and the lady kept saying, "I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you." And I said, "Oh, but do everybody else first. I, I, sort me out afterwards." And um, I hadn't even thought about the fact that my my, my grandparents would come through. And I, I can't describe this, the, for 30 quid or something, the alighting feeling, what they gave me, the reassurance that they gave me was, yeah. you know, now if I, I could have that again, I'd pay 10 times that just to have that feeling again. Um, so I, 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 I disagree that, that that is a gift. I agree with you um, that you should be charging, at, you know, for that, in, you know, reasonably, like anybody Absolutely. in my community you would charge a reasonable amount, not that something that's excessive. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, what is a reasonable amount? Because we have different areas. There's so much different, like, areas. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a market for everything. There's a market, Mm. you know. Like, I always use saltine crackers. Saltine crackers are salt, water, and maybe some oil and flour, right? And you get your little cheap, like $1 saltine crackers and then you get your $20 really fancy fancy organic flour uh, <laughs> made by virgins you know you know yeah. like that kind of fancy cracker right yeah. and you get everything in between and what what's to say that the fancy ones are better than the you know the the really cheap ones at $1 and everything like that but the thing is it's it's not about what's better and what's you know really good and things like that it's where are they positioned in the market because there is the person who wants to buy the $20 saltine cracker and they would they would be like over my dead body would I buy the $1 saltine crackers and the saltine cracker people at $1 are like well they're crackers for buying $20 crackers and so the market there's a market for everything and I think you know we I think a lot, everybody talks about niches, everybody talks about these things, but I think especially in the coaching industry, we need to have the marketing. Mm. Uh, Where do you position yourself in the market? Where are you in the market? Because there's a market for everything. And, you know, you can choose. If you are a high-end medium, and I know many high-end mediums who charge over $800 for a reading, Mm. but there is a market for that. But those customers would never go to a $30 medium, ever. Exactly. And I've had this conversation recently um, with um, with a program I wanted to do. I wanted to do some more one to one sort of work, but it's mm. not something I want to do a, a lot of. 
Um, and someone said to me, well, I, I gave him a price for a VIP day. And she said, honestly, if you charged me that, I, I, I would think it was rubbish. <laughs> and, and it's exactly the same point in the, in the same essence. Mm. It's no different whether you're talking about a medium or financial wealth. Exactly. Coaching. So it, it resonates in both genres, definitely. It does. It does. And it's, it depends. And, you know, in every, everywhere you decide to place yourself in the market, there is going to be customers for that. You know, you can be the little $1 saltine cracker people and you're going to have your market and they're going to love you for it. And then you've got your $20 and everything in between. And there's the market for that too. And I think, you know, this is um, a thing, you know, lots of people get very fixed and focused on this idea of just having a niche and the niche being this carte blanche broad Mm. spectrum. But actually, I think if you focus on where are you in the market, are you a high end coach, a mid end coach or a low end coach? And it doesn't matter, you know, because you can still do fantastic work at every level. Depends where you're comfortable in pricing. Well, it's taken me 10 years to get to where I am. Right. So it's not it's not something that I was comfortable with when I first come off the blocks that that exactly. evolution that you talk about my other business is called evolution financial planning funny enough and it is that evolution of how we evolve as 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 and Absolutely. i think as women we 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 you, we can't fake it till we make it a lot of the time we sort of have to be doing it and then some um and and then we might feel comfortable right <laughs> then we might be okay to put ourselves on a pedestal just a little bit yeah um, absolutely absolutely so I'd love to hear yeah. more about the, you know, your, your journey. You've been doing your business like five or six years now, but you obviously mm. you've done business for many, many years. And talking back to 2008, I think it was, um, you had several businesses, right? You were running, mm. was it two, two or three shops as well so as a cafe? In, in, in uh, 1999, way back through the sands of time, <laughs> um, I started my first business at the age of 23. I literally knew nothing about business, but uh, I had this idea to do a designer clothing shop. Um, And we lived in the Highlands of Scotland and me and my friends, we would work our little backsides off and then we'd jump on the bus or the train to Glasgow or Edinburgh, which is four hours away. And then we'd spend all our money on like the things that we wanted the things that were in magazines the things that were on the tv stuff like that but we just couldn't get in our local area so um what had happened was um at the age of 23 I already had two small children and I started in management at the age of 16 so um I had a lot of management experience and um so when I went to get a job after having my children um, I really felt like I had like stapled on my forehead liable to breed again and we won't <laughs> give her a management role because obviously we might need to give lot. her maternity and it was really awful and in the January of 1999 we had I passed a little shop and you know when you were little and you drew a shop it had a door in the middle and two windows on either side yeah. and it looked really cute um, well, I passed a shop in my local town like that, but it had a to let sign on the outside of it that you could let this. Mm. And I had said jokingly to my mum, I wonder what you could sell in there. Well, after a lot of really, really 
quite crappy interviews that you know some of them were so sexist I mean it was just like literally an interview about my children nothing about my skills nothing about what I could actually bring to that company like what would you do if your husband was ill you know and it was kind of like I was like oh for goodness sake wow so I was offered a job as an assistant store manager and I hadn't accepted the role and I went into the store of where I was going to be the assistant manager and I wanted just to get a feel of the place and really think you know can I see myself here and stuff and the staff came up to me and were all excited about me starting apparently next week and I hadn't even accepted so I was like oh wait a minute and I said you know they were looking for both a store manager and assistant store manager what you know who did they hire for the store manager um oh we didn't hire they didn't hire one right I knew that was coming as soon as you said that is like okay. and I was like right and I honestly thought that there was a zero missing from the numeration package it was really really taking the mick hmm. and then on top of that the fact that they hadn't hired a store manager so they wanted me to do and they were also looking for an admin assistant and I asked them who had they hired for that and they hadn't so literally they wanted to, me to do the job of three Everything. people plus and I thought no enough is enough so I actually declined that offer and said no I'm really sorry I, you know this is not for me and um and I was so angry Hmm. and I was so frustrated and I was like enough is enough I can do this for myself like I can do this for myself I had that moment too I know (laughs) I know the exact same moment you're referring to I was like I'm not doing this yeah that was like enough and so I knew I had a lot to bring to the workplace I knew that you know I am not only was I a phenomenal salesperson and I had pro you know like all of the departments I'd worked for House of Fraser so all of you know when I had been assistant manager in many of the departments there you know and I did actually have a manager above me so I wasn't like doing all the work right um I had always been able to make sure that the company hit targets and that we excelled and, you know, and I knew I brought a lot of skills to the table. And in when I had worked at my very first job, which was McDonald's hamburgers, they had also trained me in local store marketing. So I had a, a real kind of background in marketing as well. And although you, you know, love or hate McDonald's, the thing is, these oh, are people, these are yeah. giants in the marketing industry because they have dominated a very highly competitive market for a long, long time. So I was really like, like sleeves were rolled up, the gloves were off. I was ready to do the thing. And so I got particulars on the shop and I had been buying this. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like this wholesale catalog thing, but you bought it in the news agents and I'd been buying it every now and again. And I bought it and in the in this magazine it had all these different suppliers and there was this one supplier that I used to go looking for their ads because they always used to have a full page ad and what they saw sold was surplus stock but from big brand houses like YSL, Ralph Lauren, Polo, people like that and these were really really popular brands and I knew that these were brands that my friends at the age of 23 my friends loved you know and because we lived in the north of Scotland a lot of the young guys 
you know, after they had done school and they'd done all the things, like a lot of them ended up offshore. So, you know, these guys were on amazing money earning offshore and then they would come. And usually what would happen is that they really didn't have many places in the local area in the highlands. So they would end up in the bigger cities like Glasgow and Edinburgh spending their money. And I thought, you know what, like if I can create something that, you know, would give them somewhere to spend their money, but also as well, you know, create a a better price on these luxury goods, Mm. I think I'd be on a winner here. So I created a business plan and um, I presented it to a company called PSYBT, which is the Princess Scottish Business Youth Trust, which is this amazing charity that helps young people in Scotland into business. And they give them a business mentor and they they help, you know, to get you basically established. Amazing. So I was really um, so I. I put in a thing now at the time me and my husband were like really really stony broke and we didn't have a lot of money but I really thought that this charity would not give me money if I didn't have money so I kind of told a little white lie that I had a thousand pounds of my own money to put in and everything was going really, really swimmingly. I'd been approved for their grant. I'd been approved for their low cost loan that they do, which was like a 1% interest rate or something like that. It was like mini. Um, and I was like so happy right up until they were like, yes, and we just need your bank statement with the money in it. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so anyway, it was a real uh-oh moment. And I thought, oh my goodness. So then my my husband... I'd been going to work and he'd been buying newspaper every day and then sitting on his break, he'd been looking uh, and we didn't, we're not a gambling family. We do not gamble. It's not something that we do, but he'd been looking at the horses and then uh, uh, at the back and the guys were always giving like these tips and he would look. And when he came home, he would always get the teletext on. This is how long ago it is, right? Do you remember? (laughs) And he'd get the teletext on and then um, he would see and he'd see quite often that they were right. So, but he never, you know, he never put any money on or anything like that. One morning, just round this time one morning he gets his newspaper and as he walks out of the newspaper shop a five pound note blows onto his leg and literally he's like stuck on there with the wind and he picks it up and um and he thinks I'm gonna put this on whatever tip is in this in this paper I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on and he heard my voice in his head like don't you spend money that we don't have and he thought well this is a fiver we didn't have Mm. (laughs) so he went (laughs) and um and so he went and did something called a roll-up I don't even know much about gambling or anything like that but apparently what it does is it you put it on one horse and then if that wins the winnings go on to the next one and the next one right well he won 1,500 pounds and came home with 1,500 pounds and gave me the thousand pounds literally at the 11th hour of so it was so meant to be of me moving into my business and getting my business so I was given that we had a 452 pound I know the exact number I still remember the exact number tax bill um council tax bill that we were really stressing over how were we gonna pay it and so we paid that off and then my husband said let's go out for dinner and celebrate 
um, and have like a really nice dinner and really, really celebrate. So I was like, right, okay. And we, and my husband said, just order whatever you want. Don't worry about the cost, you know, like, let's just, let's, let's, let's just do this right. And really, really enjoy, you know, you start a new, new business. We got that bill paid that was hanging over us. Let's just do that. So I was like, oh, okay. I made the waitress count our bill in front of us three times because the exact amount was £48, the exact amount that we had left. <laughs> it would just felt like everything just fell in place. So I started my... What do you call that? Is that, that's like coincidence, some would say, or serendipitous, some people would say. It was complete alignment. I just felt like everything just fell in place. And so I started my little shop on £3,500. That was it. That was the first month's rent. That was painting the shop. That was signage. All my stock. Um, everything. My carrier bags. All the things, right? Like we were on a shoestring budget. But mm. we did it. So we opened the shop. Within a year, I built a six-figure business by reinvesting into the business. And... The next year, I went into a business partnership, a 50% business partnership with a uh, another person to do sh- a shoe shop. So now I had one shop and a shoe shop. Hmm. Then in, two, in that year as well, I opened a 65-seater cafe and bistro. Then I um, then we expanded the shops, so we then opened another location in in Olness, and then we opened a third location in another town called Fort William, and so then we had our shop on three locations. We had fifty um, percent partnership in the shoe shop. We had the sixty five seater cafe, and then I opened a spiritual events pop up company, and then we closed the cafe and we moved because the cafe premises were huge, and we moved the shop into the cafe premises because they were so big, and yeah. we needed more room because the shop just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. Um, at its peak, we you know you've got to remember this is all happening in the north of Scotland. So, you know, our flagship store was in a village with 5,000 people. One of our other stores was in a village with 14,000. And uh, one of the other stores in the biggest place was less than 20,000 people. Um, And our annual turnover, this is in early 2000s, was half a million a year. So it was... For Amazon. Yeah. And it was all all done by the literally by the seat of my pants. Um, I had no clue when I first started in business. So like if there was any mistakes to be made, I made them. And if I invented a few of my own, I'm sure. So I worked all the time. I literally felt like I was living to work. What and that though for you? What was where was your drive and your your you know coming from? Because obviously you were driven from for business from a very young age. Mm. What made you what what do you think drove you drove you to the point where you were working so much? And I know that then you became ill. Yeah. So for me, it was just the dream of having a better life, mm. but I hadn't got the. I suppose in a way, like now looking back in hindsight, I know I hadn't got the spiritual component right at all. So I was very, very much, because I believe there's an inner world and an outer world. And I was very, very much in that outer world. I did not live in the inner world at all. Um, And so the thing was, I was really disconnected to myself. 
Um, and my body sent me every single warning sign that it could that I was under deep stress. And yet I, you know, I was so far in a river in Egypt called denial <laughs> that I was like, I'm living the dream, you know, and on paper it looked great. And on paper, it looked like I was living the freaking dream. But the truth was, I was working like killer hours. I never took holidays. I never took breaks. And my brain never switched off from this relentless, you know, need to start the shops, need to keep an eye on this and, you know, and all the things. So eventually I hit, obviously, the 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 absolute point of, literally no return for me which was I was at home and um, it's actually a rare morning that I was actually at home I had just finished my cereal I had my bowl in my hand and I was taking the bowl through to the kitchen and I just remember seeing the floor coming up to meet me thinking this is very odd that the floor is coming up to meet me but actually it was me that was going down <laughs> and I collapsed wow. at home and then everything is like little snapshots, like snapshots of photographs after that. Um, but I woke up in hospital. Um, I remember uh, I remember actually somebody over my chest um, and that and later on, I, I was discovered that I was revived um, on the road to the hospital. Wow. Um, and that was that kind of memory that I had. And then I woke up in hospital and I was connected to all these different tubes and things. And after two days of like really, really extensive testing, like they literally sent me for absolutely freaking everything that they could send me for. Um, they basically the diagnosis was that every soft tissue organ in my body was failing and I was in multiple organ failure and there was no bacterial or viral reason why my body was shutting down, but it was literally behaving um, like a body wow. of somebody who was maybe in their late end of life end stages. Of life, like and so I was told to write my letters to my two small children at the time and to prepare oh. my family for my passing because I wouldn't leave the hospital is what I was told. Wow, gosh. And oh. uh, it, it was a... Uh, it was a weird moment because you think when you hear that, that you would be hysterical or you would be like, mm. you know, you would, but I, my mind just went into this really weird planning mode of like, cause my mom was an accountant and, and she had also worked in our businesses and did our books and things. So I, I was kind of like, I wonder if my mom could run our like Dingwall branch. And then I was like, I wonder if my brother, cause my brother also worked for me. So I was like, I wonder if he could run this and um. they, yeah. And they could like, pay my husband a wage and like he'll keep the family going and stuff and I, I was really down that rabbit hole before I caught myself and thought Joanna what are you doing you're like are you actually planning on checking out are you actually planning on on calling it quits here and I thought well it sounds like it doesn't it and I was like no wait a minute that's not what I want no wait 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 this is not what I want so I made the decision then and there that I was going to survive this and we're just going to take a quick cup of tea break and we'll be back in the second part of this lovely interview with Joanna Hunter um, just shortly. So do subscribe and you will come back and find part two very, very soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Accelerate Your Wealth. 
If you'd like to take the steps to accelerate your wealth further, perhaps owning it more or maximizing it to its full potential, please do head over to our free Facebook group, The Money Mastery Collective, where we post regular updates on tips to maximize your wealth and also support you along the way. We'd love to see you there.